Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. And further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or a wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and care for it, cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Today is a message that I've really just, it's been on my heart for over a year now to share this word with you. Um, About a little over a year ago, I preached a message on this passage, Ephesians 5, and I never got around to giving the follow-up part two. So here we are a year later, part two to that message. Just, you know, a little late, but here we are here in, you know, the right time, I'm sure. And so today I really have a message for men in this room of what does biblical manhood look like? What does biblical manhood look like? It looks so different in our culture right now, and we get so many confusing, confusing messages of what it should be. But the reality of being a man is that it takes intentionality. There really is an art to it. It will not, to be a good, God-fearing, God-honoring man, it won't just happen. Just getting up and going through things without intention won't make you the man that God's called you to be. It takes purpose and intentionality and hard work and effort. In a time when you get all of these mixed messages of real men wear pink or real men wear camo or real men cry, real men don't cry. Like I know a guy that bought a brand new pair of Birkenstocks and felt they were too girly. And so we went and spray painted them camo. Okay, like this is the season we live in of like, who am I and how do I live in this season? And thankfully, being a man has not changed what it looks like in the Bible. The call of manhood, of what God's calling us to do, and it is a holy calling. It is a, a role that God has placed over your life has not changed. And that's what we're going to be diving into today. But before we jump into that, I have just a short word of encouragement to the women in the room. I want to deal, before we get to the message to men, I really want to look at this sticky little word of submission. In our culture and in ourselves, we hear that word submission, and it makes us start feeling a little uncomfortable. It makes us like, is he really going to talk about that again? Is the church really going to talk about submission again? And the thing is, we get a little goofy about it because in our flesh and our culture, we don't like the biblical roles that God has put on our lives. We don't like it. It doesn't feel good. Because sometimes when I say submission or you hear the word submission in your Bible, negative images and other negative words come to your mind. You hear abuse or you think oppression or you think of things of value and of worth of you and over your life. 
Maybe the picture that comes to your mind, Alex, is a UFC fighter. Maybe you think of that guy that has to submit the other guy by power and by force and make him choose to submit to his dominance. And if that's the picture that comes to your mind, just know that that is not the image that God has put over your life. That sin messed it up. Adam and Eve's actions led to consequences. And one of the consequences is, is that we work very hard to take control over our life. It is a tremendous act of faith and trust in God to surrender control over your life to another person. God, husband, church, whatever authority figure you have, put that in there. It's an incredible act of faith to surrender controlling yourself and to allow authority to speak into your life or allow leadership to speak into your life. Incredibly scary, incredibly difficult. You know that God in the garden wasn't just creating trees and rabbits and bunnies? You know he was doing something more than just creating life. He was taking chaos and disorder and putting, he was putting a system in place. He was taking all these things out of control and putting them into a strategic process that life could move forward in a way that it would love itself and have peace and harmony with itself. Genesis 2.18 in the King James Version says it this way. The Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. Now maybe this word helpmeet makes you feel a little uncomfortable too. But I want to give you a little bit of encouragement today of why this is such an incredible position and role to live in as a wife and as a woman under God's word. This word is used about 22 times, 20-ish times in the, New Test in the Old Testament and New Testament. This word help me was given to us as a man. Two times it refers to women in Genesis. Three times it refers to the nation of Israel, the Psalms, when they are in dire need and need help, military assistance from other nations around them. But the rest of the time, something like 16, 18 times, the word used here for help me or azure is a word that is synonymous with God. It's a word that when Israel is in times of need, desperate times of need, they call upon a help outside of themselves and they call upon God's name. Come and be my help me. Come and be my helper. Come to my assistance and help me. See, women, you're a sucker. Not that kind, S-U-C-C-O-R, sucker. Can I give you a definition of what that is so before you start getting really mad at me? A sucker is assistance and support, S-U-C-C-O-R. It's assistance and support in times of hardship and distress. Somebody that gives assistance or aid to, one that gives assistance and support in times of hardship and distress, a friend or an ally. A good example of this is when somebody is choking in a restaurant and you give the Heimlich maneuver, you are a sucker to them. Somebody that gives assistance in dire situations. Somebody that's there immediately in a time of help and need when somebody else cannot get through it by themselves. Oh, Adam, alone, desperate, needed help. And God gave him Eve. He gave us this beautiful role of being the assistance or help in a time of need. 
Did you know that you are helpful to your husband? Did you know that you are the backbone or the strength to him? Did you know, wife, that your husband's incredibly weak? Yeah, we know that. As my neighbor says, he calls his wife strong and sturdy like an oak. She loves that. But it's really that strength of the family, that relationship dynamic upon which the family can grow and thrive. Ladies, you're not a sucker. You're a sucker. You are a strong foundation upon which your husband will lean when in times of need. Because he was not created to lead by himself. He was created to lead in unity and in harmony with you. To lead your family forward. When you hear that word, helper, or submission, think about this idea is that God used a word that he uses for himself and speaks it over you. That God himself uses the same word for his identity, uh, an attribute of himself, a characteristic of who he is. And so when you live in submission before your husband, when you live as a helpmeet or a person of assistance or a person to give them strength, you are living, you are acting as God to your husband. Can I just be brutally honest with you? I have never, not in making this message, but struggled so hard with the content of the message. I have never, ever, in the time I've preached here, almost eight years, struggled so difficultly with the content and feel like I was so, failed so hard at what I'm preaching today. I'm not preaching today from a seat of this is how to be a man and this is how to be a father. This is, I'm preaching today is this is the calling I know that we're supposed to be walking towards. I'm working towards it. Wife, did you know that you hold your husband's confidence? The thing is, is that we're not very strong. It takes a little bit of failure and a little bit of lies and a little bit of self-defeat and a little bit of self-loathing, a little bit of self-hate to get us so far from the God-given calling that he's put on our lives. You really are the backbone you really are the help me. You really are the assistance and the aid in the times of trouble becoming who we're supposed to be. You are the strength behind your husband. The God-given assistance in a time of need to your husband. I'm so thankful for my wife. I have a very self-destructive personality when I'm just in my flesh. And when I mess up and I fail, it's so easy for me to wrap my whole identity around that action. It's so easy for me to start questioning my calling, start questioning who I am as a leader, start questioning my position as a pastor, start questioning who I am and the responsibilities God's given me, and I start looking at myself through the lens of failure or mistake instead of through the lens of Jesus Christ. Do you know what my wife does? She comes and gives grace. And she comes and starts speaking truth over my life. She comes and starts and telling me, even though I didn't prove it, of who God's calling me to be. And who she knows I am in Christ. And she starts speaking, speaking the things that maybe are not true in that moment, but she knows is true over my life. I rely on my wife so incredibly much 
in ways that nobody will ever understand. To be able to be the leader, to be the pastor, to be the father, to be just a Christian following God that I'm supposed to be. Wives, you are the best gift that God could have ever given us as husbands. We are so thankful for you. Maybe we don't express it well. Maybe we don't give you the right gifts on our anniversary. Maybe we forget our anniversaries completely. But know that you are a tremendous help and blessing to your husband. You are the God-given assistance, the God-given strength, the God-given person in their life for us to be able to walk into the calling and the role that he gave us at the very beginning, way back in the garden. 1 Peter 3, 5 through 6 says this. When you trust your husband enough to submit to his authority, you're not only just trusting him, you're actually putting faith in God's divine order. Did you know that? Did you know that when you live into that role of submission, and we're going to clear this up a little bit more as we go on, stick with me. When you live into that role, you're not only trusting your husband, but you're trusting God. First Peter says this, this is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They put their trust in God and accepted the authority of their husbands. For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband Abram and called him master. You are her daughters when you do what is right without fear of what your husbands might do. This is the beautiful and sacrificial loving system that God created. But sin messed it up. Sin messed it up. Genesis 3.16 says, speaking to the woman, you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Because of the curse of the fall, because of sin, it blemished the beautiful structure and cycle that God had put into place for a man to lead, for a woman to submit, and for there to be love between each person. But sin came in in its place and started tweaking with it and toying with it and destroying it and maybe causing that uncomfortable feeling you're feeling right now. Because men, honestly, historically, we've not given our wives much reason to submit to us. In the flesh and outside of God and the calling God's put on you, I've seen two places that men usually react to their calling of being the head of their house. The first is not being a man but being another kid is that men, instead of looking for being a husband and a father, you're actually just another part of the family that your wife has to step into and lead. You look to that woman to cook for you and pay the bills and go get another job and raise the kids and give you space to work on your car and be there when you want to have sex. But guess what? You don't have to be married. I'm committed. Don't need a ring to prove it. We rely, and instead of stepping into leadership, we just step back and let somebody else fill the void. And your wives are forced to step into that position for you. Instead of leading the household, you step back and say, well, my wife will do it, or my grandparents will do it, or our system will do it, or the school will do it, or the church will do it. And instead of stepping into that position and creating a safe place for your wife to submit to your authority, you step back and say, somebody else do it. On the other side of that pendulum, you see men that step into it, but not with love, but with selfishness. And you demand a submission from your family. Instead of being a place of love and peace and safety and comfort to your family, you are a terror to your family. 
You come to them with strength and with your words and with your actions and you demand obedience instead of simply asking for them to follow your lead. The curse of sin perverted the system that God put in place. Demanded. Submission can never be taken. Submission can only be given. And it's given when you are trustworthy of that vulnerable state. Jack Hayford says it this way. To submit is taking the divinely ordered place in relationship. Submission can never be required by one, per, one, one human being of another. It can only be given on the basis of trust. That is to believe God's word and be willing to learn. It's called to live in submission, to follow your lead. That it will be a joy for you to lead your household. That it will be a place of safety and of love. That when people look at you, it will be make the most sense is to follow you. And that's where I hope to spend the rest of our time today. Men, you were born and created to lead. We need men in the church and in our house that will lead their house. I'm going to go back to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 525. It says this, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean and washed by the cleansing of God's word. Craig Rochelle says it this way. He says that leadership is really influence. And so, man, the question today that I want you to ask yourselves is, how are you influencing the people over my yard? And I thought, that is going to be beautiful, lush grass. And so I decided that I was going to make this patch of my garden or patch of my yard into grass. And so I killed the weeds and I tilled the ground. And I leveled the low spots. I spread the seed. I watered the seed. And because I wanted it to grow, I built a temporary fence around it. You know why? Because I took authority over that patch of dirt. See, when you take authority over something, you take headship over something, or you want to lead in it, you're going to jump into the leadership position and you're going to start creating the game plan for that patch of grass to grow and to thrive. And the same thing is true with our families, is that if you take authority over them, if you take leadership over your families, you're going to start creating the game plan. You're going to be the one driving the ship forward or the car forward. What does what health look like? What are the things that I hope our family becomes? What does it look like to be a God following? What does it look like to have a family and systems of love in our family? You'll be the one driving that because you take responsibility for that. You know, my wife didn't care about that patch of grass. My kids definitely didn't care about it. And my dog actually was determined to destroy it. But when I took authority over that patch of dirt, I, I cared for it, I watered it, I seeded it, I protected it, built fences around it, said, stay off of this, kids, go play over here. As soon as I put the fence up, it was like the only place they wanted to play. But if you take headship over your household, it means that you take responsibility for it, and all of a sudden you care the direction and the health and the life and the growth of your family is going. Headship means this, husbands. It means leadership. It means that you take responsibility for what comes out of your family. I assume that everyone in this room that has a family or a wife or is in a relationship, at the bare minimum, we know that leadership, we know that our roles is that we're going to protect we're going to provide food and clothes and shoes. 
we know those things. But can I talk to you about one of the greatest sources of influence you have in your family? That's your spiritual influence. Your greatest source of influence or highest calling of headship or leadership in your family is the, how you model the importance of spirituality to your family. A very, very basic question that might be very revealing to you is who encourages who to go to church? You know, in 2020, our church for the first time jumped online. And it was a wonderful, beautiful thing at a time when we were forced to close down, forced to be separated, forced to be uh, stationed at home. And we were trying to figure everything out and our church went online. And our attendance grew. We, we had all these new people coming and we were connected online. It was a great thing. But at the same time, as soon as we went online, I knew that it was going to create a barrier in the future of re-entering the church. Because doing church from online created a culture where it was very accepted to just stay home and do church. I was at a conference recently with pastors throughout all of our state just talking, and one pastor told me this. In 2019, a thousand-member church would on average see an attendance of 700 people on Sunday. And now in 2022, that same thousand-member church sees an average attendance of 400 people on a Sunday. And the point is not to shame, not to bring down, but the point is, is that 2020 and online church and staying home created a culture where we could distance ourselves or make church, if it was inconvenient for us to be able to get there, we didn't have to show up in person. We didn't have to show up with our body. We could just catch it online or squeeze in when we have time. And you know our church grew numerically in 2020. By God's grace and somehow because of the land and outside and his placing on this building, we grew when we were outside. When nobody had anything to do. But as soon as, our, as the state opened up and as soon as things started going back to normal, we filled and filled and filled our schedules to where we were busier than we were before. Anybody ever feel that? Where you feel a little bit busier today than you felt before the pandemic hit? What's my point in all of this? My point is that is church a priority to you? Is your relationship with God a priority to you? And are they on display and being modeled to your wife and to your family? It's not as much about what you say, it's more of about how are you doing, leading. Your kids are watching where you spend your time. Your kids are watching how you interact with your wife. Your kids are watching who is pulling out the Bible and who is initiating prayer time and who is speaking to them about issues going on in their life and in their day. Your kids and your family and your wife are looking for your leadership, husband. They deeply desire it. They deeply want your input. 1 Timothy 3, 4 through 5 is laying out all of these recommendations or requirements for church leadership. And among them, high up is a man that is in control and of his household. Is his household a place of peace and love? It's showing the high importance it is for men to lead their households well. And can I just take a moment here really quick? Husbands, I need you to get out of your head. I need you to get out of your head in this moment. Because if you're like me when I was writing this message, I immediately start thinking about all the ways that I don't lead well. 
I started immediately thinking about all the times that I failed leading my family well, that I failed stepping into leadership, that I, that I messed up or made the wrong call or made my wife lead instead of me. And can I just encourage you with this is that I need you to replace whatever spiritual hero you have in your head. I could never be the father like that, my grandpa or my dad. I could never lead my family like this. I don't know have those right answers. I need you to take that name out and put your name in. Because husbands, you are the God-given person to your family. Your wife and your family are not looking for blank, 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 blank. They're looking to you. And God's giving you a divine calling to lead your family forward. And as you go, you're going to mess up. There's going to be times you're going to have to ask for forgiveness and times confess wrong. And in your family, there will be grace. Grace for you to become the person that you're called to be. And as you're learning and growing, you will lead your family forward. Husbands, we need you to lead. We need you to, to make spiritual health of your family a priority. Men, we need you to take authority over it. That is what headship means in your family. That is what being a husband and a father and one means. And really quick, just a quick word. If you are in here and you don't have a husband or you don't have kids or you're past that season and you're still single or looking, you still have a family. It's just your own body. Take headship over your own body. Control those desires and thoughts and actions. You still have somebody to lead. It's just yourself. Take control of yourself. This all still applies to you. What are our three words? Lead, guard, and die. I'm going to blaze through these next two points. The band can actually just start coming up at this point. But when we take authority or responsibility for something, we start to protect it. Guarding is tied to leading. Psalms 23, 1 through 4 is that classic psalm on shepherding. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all thy need. And skipping down to verse 4, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me, your rod and your staff, they protect me. Part of headship means that you are the protector of your family. Shepherds guard the flock. One night when I was home, this was about a year after we had our dog, about 2 o'clock in the morning, she barked in the middle of the night. She's never done this before. And do you know what I did? I said, Amy, go check it out. <laughs> I got out of bed. I grabbed the first bat-like thing I could find. I think it was like a piece of the crib or something. I just ripped it out. And I went around every room of our house. Checked every door, looked at the security camera saying, why is this? And then I think it was just because my dog wanted to get out. So I, no, I was like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Men, I know that you will die for your loved ones. I know that you will sacrifice your body without even thinking it for them. But can I tell you one more danger that came to our house? When we first bought the house, they always give you the opportunity to do that radon test, Right? And it's like a, a shot in the dark. Like maybe your house has it, maybe you're not. It's that unseen gases that seep out of the ground apparently has no rhyme or reason. Maybe you have it. But it's like a couple hundred bucks. But we did that test to our house. And you know what came back? Dangerously high levels of radon. Unseen, unsmelled, unheard. But they were there. You not only lead your family, you guard the spiritual health of your family. There's gates all over your life. Food gets into my body through my mouth. 
and then it disperses through the rest of my body. You are the head of the family. And what you watch on TV and how you interact with your, with your family and your wife and how you spend your free time, it goes through you. And you are the guard. You are the monitor. You are the person that says this will either come into my house or it won't come into my house. And your family needs you to guard not just against the physical threats but the unseen spiritual attacks on your family. I hated the restrictions that my parents put on me growing up for the things I could watch on TV. But they watch it, but we do this, they do this. What's so wrong about Mortal Kombat? Like, what's wrong with all these things? I desperately wanted to do all the things that my friends were doing. But my parents had restrictions that they set up to protect us. And you know what? It did. It had an effect on me. It's set from a very young age, my parents set a standard of saying, this is how our family lives. And it doesn't matter if you, these other friends or these other families do that. That's their family. But as Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Husbands, when you start guarding your house and you start guarding your family, you start guarding the things that come into it, you provide an environment that your family can feel safe and protected in even if they don't like it. They will feel safe and they'll feel protected under your leadership. It's the husband that sits back and just lets their kids watch whatever they want on YouTube, play any single game, talks to them, watches things that they wouldn't watch with their family when the kids go to bed, pulls things up on their phone when they're in the bathroom alone. It's when you let those invisible things, those spiritual threats invade your house that your leadership starts to be questioned. It is your God-given responsibility to guard your home. Stand up, don't be passive in it, and fight it. And this is my last point today, is that it's okay if you die. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 3-5 through five talks about the end times of the church, end times of the world. And mostly all of us it ties down to is people that become incredibly selfish. Lovers of themselves and money instead of others. And it's all of these ways that people just become selfish. Husbands, your greatest threat to your leadership and to the health of your family just might be yourself. Can I just tell you that your greatest ministry, if you have kids, is your children. Your greatest ministry, if you have a wife, is your wife. Before you go out and serve in the church, before you go out and pursue that ministry, before you go out and pursue that career, your first priority is your family and the health of your family. And even at the cost of the health to yourself. You don't need free time. You don't need me time. You don't need space. Live sacrificially before them. My last class, my senior class in college, my professor gave us these plaques. And on them was a verse and a saying, and he gave it to us as a reminder from that point forward of my position in ministry. And it simply says this, I don't have to survive. Paul and David, and they talk about pouring their lives out as drink offerings before the Lord. Husbands, it's okay if you pour yourself out for your family. It's okay if you have to go without for your family. 
It's okay if even if you deserve the time off, even if, it's, even if you deserve some free time or need a break, it's okay if you push past the physical boundaries, push past those things and sacrifice yourself for your family. It's okay if you don't survive. I know that if you were in a burning building and you had to choose between you or your child or your wife, that you would push them out and gladly die for them. You know, it's so much harder, though, to live that mentality out. Our flesh gets in the way so often, so frequently, where that little word of, it's not what I want, it's not what I want to do, it's not how I want to spend my time or spend my money, may inhibit you from being the leader that God's calling you to be. Husbands, you can do it. Men, you can be this person. God would not give you a calling over your life that you couldn't live into. You are the priest of your household. You are the spiritual leader of your household. You are the guard and the protector of your household. And there is grace and provision and strength available to you. We're going to close with this. I know that some of you have some briskets in the smoker that you gotta go check. If we can go, Lordship Lights, please, and turn the lights off. Husbands, maybe you're feeling a couple different things right now. Men, Christian, friend, maybe you're feeling a couple different things right now. Maybe you're feeling guilt. That the things I just laid out is that you have a lot of examples where you've not lived into it. Maybe I just lay these out and these are all just encouragements upon things that you know and you are working to do. Can we just have all the men stand up right now, please? Just where you are. And if you're close to them, can you just extend a hand towards them? If you know them and you're comfortable with them, you came with them, you can put your hand on their shoulder. But if not, just extend it towards them. Men, can I just pray... God's best over you. I believe that there are men in our church today that are going to go home and they're going to take responsibility for their family. I believe that you men standing up right now are going to go home and take guardianship over your family. That you're going to lead them, that you're going to guide them, that you're going to fail, that you're going to get on your knees and ask for grace and forgiveness. And you're going to get up again and you're going to keep going. So I'd like to just pray over you, that I encourage you. And then the team's going to dismiss us with one more worship song. And then we're going to go out home and check our food and check our barbecues. Father, right now, God, thank you, God, for the men in this church. Thank you, God, for raising them up, God. Lord, I pray that you would just create an environment in us, God, that it makes it easy for our family to submit to our decisions, God. I pray that you would create an environment, God, in our family lives and our home lives, God, that doesn't disrespect, that doesn't demand, that doesn't hurt or frustrate our family, God, but encourages them and that they feel loved, God, and peaceful in, Father. Lord, I pray that we would be Jesus to our families, Father. Lord, I pray that we would live sacrificially before them. God, right now, if there's any men struggling with doubt or shame or guilt, God, we just rebuke those things in the name of Jesus Christ. 
Church, would you just start praying your best over the men that are close to you? Would you just start praying God's best over them? Would you just start praying for the Holy Spirit to come upon them, that they would have grace, that you would just protect their minds and their hearts, God? I pray that you give them accountability. I pray, God, that you give them friendship. I pray, God, right now that you would just encourage them, God. I pray that you would make them feel stronger right now, God, going out these doors. Lord, I pray they would feel your presence on them, God. I pray they'd feel your holy calling on them, God. I pray that they would know that they are loved and cared for. They don't have to do it alone, God. That there are people around them that care for them. They're going to lift them up, God. But you have positioned them, God, where they are to lead their family, to lead themselves, to leave their homesteads, Father. God, I pray protection over them, God. I, God, I pray that you would rebuke the devourer, Father, God. I pray that you would restore, God, what's been broken and taken by sin, God. Lord, I pray for safety and peace and love in these households, Father. Lord, we love you and we praise you, God. We give you the honor of today to you, Father God. Lord, I pray that we would go out, God, and create family dynamics, God, that are honoring before you, Father. Lord, as we stumble and as we faithfully take steps forward, and following your divine roles, God, I pray that you would be with us. You would guide us, empower us when we don't have the strength. God, give us the right words when we don't know what to say. Help us, God, to be able to choose the right things for our family, God. Lord, guide us as we lead and guard and die for our families, Father. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.